I'm not pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time to drive to work. Coronavirus edition. So uh, I've been using my time at home to interview people. Uh, and today I have Corey Bowen with us to talk about Midnight Hunt Commander decks. Uh, so we're going to dive in deep into making Commander. So hey, Corey. Hey, Mark. How's it going? Okay, so um, I first want to give a little overview and then we'll dive into Midnight Hunt specifically. So one of your jobs really is doing a lot of the Commander designs, correct? Yeah, I uh, led a lot of Commander sets in my time here, and I've done a lot of uh, card design specifically for Commander. So, I mean, you you are on other teams and such, but one of the, probably your primary job is you do a, you lead a lot of Commander sets. Yeah, I would say that's my primary job, and yeah, you are right. I'm on uh, different standard sets and main sets all the time helping out, but my primary job and my responsibilities all stem from leading Commander sets. Okay, so in particular today, we're going to talk about Midnight Hunt, um, but I, I'm, I'm hoping today not only do we talk about Midnight Hunt, but kind of explain it in general, making commander decks, because that's something we haven't talked a lot about on this on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you have Midnight Hunt. I mean, you have a set. We're going to talk about Midnight Hunt. Like, we'll use Midnight Hunt as the example here, but okay, we're going to make commander decks for a new set. What's the first thing you do? Like, what, with Midnight Hunt, what did you have to do? Yeah, so for Midnight Hunts, uh, first thing we do is we try to think about what kind of deck themes would be cool. And for these commander decks that we're doing that are kind of attached to main sets, we like to think about the world. Um, what are like some cool top lines of the world? What is popular with players and commander of that world? Um, so from there, we were thinking about Innistrad. We knew we were going to do... Um, two Innistrad sets, it's Midnight Hunt and uh, Crimson Vow, uh, and so we knew there would be four decks. So for Midnight Hunt, we were thinking about, um, I think the idea came out very early with Chris Mooney and Vision that we could start doing decks that reflect a bit of the tribes of Innistrad, and so for Midnight Hunt, we kind of really zeroed in on a blue-black zombies deck and a green-white deck that kind of had, uh, it's not a strictly human tribal deck, but the green-white deck does have some human tribal elements. It definitely reflects the human uh, mechanics from the main set, because that's another thing we do think about, is what is new in the main set? What is the mechanics in the main set, and how can we reflect that in a commander capacity? So the, the blue-black zombies deck um, it is making a lot of classic zombie plays, but it's also using the Decade mechanic from the main set, which is new. Decade is a mechanic that comes on to two zombie tokens, um, and it means that the tokens can't block, and when they attack, you sacrifice them at the end of combat. And so it was a new way that the main set was doing to just allow themselves to make hordes and hordes of zombies without it, it being as, uh, as intimidating, I guess, and, uh, and more for sacrifice fodder and so we wanted to make a commander um, that generated decay tokens and used those to their advantage. So, um, before we get into the decks, I, I just there's an elephant in the room. I want to talk about the elephant real quick, and then we'll, okay. we'll get into the decks. So, Midnight Hunt is the werewolf set. Wait, where's where's the werewolf deck? Uh, let's talk a little bit about why there's no werewolf deck, and then then we'll get into the decks we, that you did make. Um, yeah. So what? Um, why? Why is there no? How? How is it a werewolf themed set and there's no werewolf tag? Yeah, uh, 
I also asked this question. Many of us, you know, we went in saying, hey, should we do werewolves? So the big, big limiter um, for werewolves is that they are all double-sided cards. They're all DFCs, um, transforming DFCs. And we have never been able to put a DFC in a commander pre-constructed product for a variety of reasons. Some of it is it's just a logistical production challenge for us. Some of it is, you know, these decks don't come with sleeves. We don't assume you have sleeves. And so it would take up token space by putting the checklist cards in the tokens. Um, but overall, it's just been a, a big uh, block. We've just never been able to uh, do the DFCs, let alone having a deck completely full of DFCs. Even if we were able to get over the production logistical challenges, um, we probably wouldn't be able to fit the raw number of checklist cards in the packaging itself. Um, so for those reasons, it's just too many challenges. Uh, cannot do a werewolf pre-constructed deck, but the commander designers all came together and we worked together with the main set to make sure that we came up with a good werewolf commander in the main set, which we believe we have accomplished with Tovalar. Right. One of the things that's for the audience to understand that is, it's very frustrating. I know from outside the walls when you're like, this seems like the obvious thing to do. Like mm -hmm. it's very easy for the outside person to not care about logistics, but it's very hard for us to not care about logistics. And, um, when you make a product, one of the things that happens is uh, we have what's called a product architect. And they will lay out parameters. Like, you have a budget. And you have certain things... You, like, there's certain things that you have access to. You have so many p new pieces of art. Like, there's certain parameters that you have access to. And you, the person... Like, like you have to meet the parameters. I, I know the audience just like, wants, we should do whatever we want to do. But it, it, that's not true sometimes. And... We we did we did want to make a, a like everybody wanted to make a werewolf. It's not like no one wanted to make a werewolf deck. It's just on many different vectors, both on a printing thing and you're right on on the checklist card. Like, it just there were so many things that it wasn't something we were capable of doing. It wasn't because we didn't want to. It wasn't because we didn't think it'd be a cool idea. It wasn't because we didn't know people would ask. Where's the werewolf deck? It just logistically didn't work, and that that's why that's why there's no werewolf deck. Okay, but there is there is a, a zombie deck, and there is a, we'll call it a human deck. I, I, you're correct; it's not so human tribally, but right, it's not so human tribally. But in the main set, humans and green white in general are using this new mechanic called Coven. Um, cards with Coven have a trigger or a condition that turns on when you have uh, three or more creatures with different powers. So if I have a 1-3, a 2-3, and a 3-3, three, three, that is three different powers, I've activated my Coven. Um, so the Coven deck um, kind of takes advantage of this. Um, we thought it would, you know, this is not something that commander decks have ever had to think about, players have ever to think about, and so we took this very limited-centric mechanic and tried to scale it up a little bit with Commander with some of the new cards um, so the deck has a bunch of plus one, plus one counter synergies because that's a very fun way to manipulate your powers so you can get those three or more powers. And we have a few new cards that instead of turning on at a threshold of three or more powers, they're going to scale upwards for however many different powers you can achieve during the game, which I think is kind of a great way to, a great example of taking a limited mechanic and scaling it towards the slower games or the higher dreams that Commander has to offer. Yeah, one of the things that I, I think is really important uh, for the audience to get is 
we make a lot of commander cards, right? Uh, obviously, there's there's lots and lots of you know commanders have super popular format. Um, mm -hmm. But one of the challenges is, yeah, we can make the same thing we made. You know, like we can make a card that plays into the same theme that we've done, you know, many times before. But really, what we're wanting to do as much as we can is how can I make something that makes a commander deck no one's ever made before, right? How, like mm -hmm. there is a lot of importance of trying to lean into the newness because we're trying to sort of expose you to like, well, Commander is fun, but here's what this offers Commander that other sets might not offer Commander. Right. Commander is all about expressing your identity and in a lot of sense, your unique identity. And it's interesting that you note that we are, you know, trying to do all of these new themes, different takes on stuff because we've done blue, black zombies or at least Blue Black Zombies has been a, a theme that's been very popular in the past, so why do Blue Black Zombies again if it's an archetype that already exists with many popular commanders like Brimgrim or Grease and Geralt? Um, so I think that the Blue Black Zombie deck is kind of achieving two things. On one end, we have done Blue Black Zombies before, but it's kind of been a while, and a lot of people have started to play Magic since the last Innistrad. Magic is a very fast-growing game, and there's a lot of new players I think it's also really valuable to take something that is kind of very endemic to the DNA of Magic and the DNA of Innistrad and bring it back and say, hey, for all those who never got to experience those classic zombie decks of the past, here's a pre-con that you can pick up and kind of fall in love with blue-black zombies the same way all of these other veteran players did a bunch of years ago. Um, on the other side of that... This deck is trying to play up a little bit more in the blue-black sacrifice angle. So zombies are very classically about recursion or about creating hordes of zombies. And this deck does play in those angles, but is also at the same time trying to offer a little bit different of a play style with playing up sacrificing. So it is a return to something that is beloved, but as you're saying, it is also subtly trying to offer a differing game experience so we can have people be able to express what they want to with their blue black zombie deck yeah something funny um just tapping into my hollow days real quick uh mm -hmm. i remember taking a class on pitching like uh when you have to go sell an idea uh mm -hmm. you know there's there's a lot of things they teach you about how, how do you how do you pitch something real well and mm -hmm. one of the the truisms of pitching is old but new Right? right. Here's the thing that you know that's comfortable and acceptable, but here's the new twist that makes it different. Right. And that right. I feel like a lot of this is like, well, hey, zombies, here's blue, black zombie. Here's something that you've seen before. But oh, here's our new twist. Here's here's why this is not just the same thing you've seen before. Um, and it, it, it reminds me a lot of sort of that of like magic has this nice thing of you want some amount of familiarity. You want some amount of, oh, that's something I, I can connect to. But you also want some amount of. I've not seen this before, and how do we how do we put that in? So yeah, old but new. Uh, Magic does this a lot, um, and Midnight Hunt Commander does a lot. Something I like to do, especially when we have these two decks, you know, like I said, the Blue Black Zombies deck, it feels very classically old, has a bit of a new twist, but the Green Light Coven deck, you know, there really isn't a strategy that cares about counters. Or sorry, that cares about Coven. There's plenty of strategies that care about counters. And there really isn't a green-white option for humans either. So that deck is more approaching new than it is approaching old. And that's kind of on purpose, that between these two decks, one of them kind of leans more classical, and the other one kind of leans more of like a newer, innovative space. Um, 
Magic is a huge audience. There's a lot of veteran players, and there's a lot of newer players. And I like making that kind of dichotomy between decks or the differences between decks for their audiences so different people have something to latch on to among different decks. So in general, when you have two decks, you try to make one more hitting an old theme and one more hitting a new theme? Yeah, that, that's something I, I try to do, um, is to make sure that they're hitting like that. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that's certainly true. It's not going to be true all the time, obviously, but it's something I think about a lot when I'm doing two decks. And even when I'm doing four or five decks, you know, I want some portion of them to be uh, clearly new and some portion of them to be clearly classical in some sense. Right, I mean, I, I do think, for example, it's interesting you, you bring up that, like, different sets sort of prompt different numbers of decks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, usually when you have five, it's like there's a fa- usually it's a faction thing, right? Usually the set has built into it some sort of divisible by five thing that's built into what the set is. Yeah, in the past few years, it's been Ikoria, which didn't have factions, but it had strong three-color identities, so it made sense to make five three-color decks. And then Strixhaven, which was very heavily factionalized, definitely called for five decks. Now, do you do you do you wish you as as the commander sort of designer? Do you like something where it's kind of inherent what you have to do, like Strixhaven? Like clearly, you're just going to do the five schools, right? That that's pretty obvious what you're going to do. Um, or do you like it where it's kind of open-ended, like, ooh, what, what am I doing? It doesn't, like, which do you enjoy more that sort of tells you kind of what you want, or, like, it's open-ended and do whatever you want to do? Yeah, I, I think both are fun. Um, I, I think I like it when it is factionalized. I think I like it when I know what color pairs, and I know kind of what the aesthetic is going to be, you know, with the Strixhaven Colleges. I knew the colleges... They all all the colleges have these all these amazing attributes and qualities and like these quirks and personalities, and within each college there still was room to kind of think about it and move around. You know, I could we could be making the Lorehold deck and we could make a spirits deck or a graveyard deck or what we went with was an artifact recursion deck, Um, and I think I liked that a lot when there was a faction but it had a ton and ton of depth to it. Um, Ikoria was was a little harder. It was factionalized, but um, not really factionalized. It was a bunch of three-color stuff, but we really had to figure out what we wanted from that. And Ikoria kind of had a lot of themes that were a little bit harder to work around in Commander. With Innistrad, it's been pretty fun because it's felt like doing something based off of humans and zombies felt like a really solid starting point. I guess I'll say I love a really strong starting point with a lot of depth um, because within the depth, we can kind of pick and choose what directions we want to go. Uh, sometimes when we're sitting there trying to make some stuff up out of nowhere, it's a little bit more challenging, um, but that could just be fun too. Like I, I, I think the Abzan keywords deck in Ikoria Commander, I, I don't know, that deck came out pretty quirky I really like it. I'm pretty proud of doing that. I definitely thought that that was a good way to emphasize some of the keyword cannery stuff in Ikoria by making a very unique deck, and that just came out of just thin air mostly. Do you? So here's another question for you. Do you enjoy like two color, three color? Like, is mm-hmm. more colors easier or harder for you to do? I think um, that's interesting. I think it like. 
I think for me, I found it easier to think about wedge-colored legends than shard-colored legends. I think my brain, when I think about like Jund or Dance or something like that, I, I tend to like silo those shards into some very particular strategies. Like I particularly have a pretty hard time thinking about what else Jund can do than specifically uh, crush the blood braided. Um, but with uh, wedges, I feel like there's, because there hasn't been a ton explored for wedges in the past, there's just a lot of room to explore and uh, make some stuff up and fight for new directions. Um, I don't know what I prefer between two color and three color. I think I've always been partial to three color decks, um, but I think two color decks are also a lot of fun. And I also enjoy making monocolor legends quite a bit. I think monocolor legends are really interesting. Um, you can make them do like small subsets of different strategies that allow people who just fall in love with character or card to make very unique looking decks. Um, so I guess my answer is I like all of them. I don't particularly enjoy making four color stuff because I'm confused by it. Oh, t- designing four color cards is hard too. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, so the, so the midnight hunt deck, so you pick your themes. Um, yeah. and also the other thing, I, 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 there's a certain amount of color balance that has to happen too, right? Yeah, there's a certain amount of color balance. Um, kind of the theory behind this is that if you are a Magic player, you likely have a favorite color. So when we release Commander decks, we would love to you to go to the shelf of the stores you go to and see a new deck that contains your favorite color. So among the two decks, four colors are represented, right? It's green, white, and blue, black. And that, that is purposeful. With two decks, we can't really get to having all the colors represented. We could have made one of the decks three color and one of the decks two color. We did this in Zendikar Rising. Um, but I kind of prefer, uh, for Innistrad, it felt very, it felt, it felt very obvious to do the two colors to align with the tribes, I guess. Right, and sometimes a set sort of like, nothing about Innistrad says three colors, so it's, it's a little bit harder to do three color where it's a lot easier to do two-color because the themes are very two-color focused. Right. Um, okay, so let's... Uh, let's On the zombie deck, um, let's talk a little bit about, about Decade. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Decade mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you have to listen to my other pod. I'm talking all about Midnight Hunt in another podcast, and I talk about where Decade... Decade actually wasn't even from um, the design of Midnight Hunt. It was from uh, Crimson Vow. But... Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about designing, like trying to design with, with, with that mechanic. So it's a brand new mechanic. It's doing things a little differently. How do you sort of embody that in, in, in a new deck? Yeah, so Decade has a few things going on with it. Um, the first thing it does is it lets you create more zombie tokens for less mana. And there is this inherent zombie fantasy that's like, okay, I think about all of the media that is cool with zombies and all of these tropes people like. Like, hordes and hordes of zombies is this very uh, evident trope. And uh, Decade can create more zombie bodies. Um, so for cheaper mana, we can make a ton of Decade tokens. And that lets you serve that fantasy more of these hordes and hordes of zombie tokens. It's like never-ending 
flow of zombie tokens and it's not as much of a gameplay problem because usually when they make a bunch of tokens it can stall out the board but cave tokens they don't stall out the board they can't block so they're not going to be good chump blockers and when they attack they go away so you got to keep making them um so step one is decayed sweet because hordes of zombies are cool uh step two is what do you do with decayed zombies you can't attack with them it's like obviously the very default notion of them is that you attack with them and that's fun um but you can also sacrifice them because they're not really worth a full token sacrificing them as if you were sacrificing a creature is just good value so that's again where the deck kind of leans into more of a sacrifice theme um I did. I think doing my research, I found there was not that many other blue-black sacrifice commanders. Um, I think there was Grimgrin, but I think Grimgrin's also a little harder for newer players to grok. So I enjoyed making, uh, leaning into sacrifice themes. And so we can make a lot of zombie tokens. We can make them have decayed. Zombie hordes are cool. Sacrificing is cool. Um, then I started, we started to think about what else can we do with the decayed mechanic? Um, can we give things other than zombie tokens decayed? Uh, so let me look at my thing real quick. I believe we made this really cool card called Ghoul's Night Out that is a very multiplayer-oriented card. Do you want me to describe the card? Sure, yeah. We, we tell, tell the card to the audience. Yeah, called Ghoul's Night Out. It's a uh, five mana, three and two black mana. Uh, it's a sorcery. For each player, you choose a creature card in that player's graveyard, and then you put those cards onto the battlefield under your control. They're black zombies in addition to the other colors and types, and they gain decay. So you are zombifying three creatures in Commander from, uh, oh, four creatures, because it's each player's graveyard. So in a four-player game of Commander, you are getting four creatures onto the battlefield zombified for five mana. Usually, that's a very pretty insane value. However, they have decayed, so they're only here for a little bit. This is kind of interesting because, oh, you know, I'm going to get my opponent's 10-10 so I can hit someone for 10 and then sacrifice it. Or I'm going to get this powerful static ability or triggered ability or something that I can just, like, leave back for a while and it's like I'm resurrecting just that um, so we really enjoyed messing around with Decayed a little bit in that sense as well. Yeah, one of the things that the designers always like to do whenever we have a new mechanic is understand the strengths and the weaknesses of the mechanic. Like, for example, Decayed is like, well, obviously its weakness is, it's, it's you know, it, it, it's, it's less real in some ways and it doesn't last as long and it's not as good in attacking and blocking, obviously. Um, but... What is its strengths? And the strengths is, I get a full creature for kind of the half the cost of a creature. Now, mm-hmm. I can't do a lot of things with it. I can't block with it. I can only attack once with it. But for sacrifice purposes, for... that Right, it's kind of neat that it's... All sacrifice cares is a creature. It's a full creature for sacrifice purposes, even though you didn't pay... Like, you, it's sort of a discount creature. You paid less for it. But there's ways to use it as a, as a full value of a creature. And that, that's how you can take advantage of it. Right, exactly. Um, so I, I, I had a lot of fun working with the cave stuff, uh, making the sacrifice stuff. I think the deck came out really well. Okay, well let's 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 jump to the other deck. Talk a little bit about Coven. So what what is unique about Coven? Right. So I talked about this a little bit. You know, Coven cares about having all these different powers. 
Um, usually that feels like a very limited thing, but we thought it would be cool to try to approach it from commander angle. Um, some of the things we thought about, especially for green-white, is kind of the reprints seemed really fun with Coven. You know, Bestial Menace is a sorcery that makes a 1-1, a 2-2, and a 3-3. Kistani Summoner also makes three tokens of different power and different powers already. So there's all these, like, cards that were token makers that were already kind of doing this for us. I was like, okay, those seems to be in the deck. You can play your commander, and you can play Bestial Menace. Bam, you've already got Coven going. Seems really fun. Um... Let's make some other cards that care about Coven or have Coven. Um, or let's make some cards like, I'm going to put a card here on my list of things. I think there's a really fun green one. Um, Celebrate the Harvest, which is a green sorcery. costs four mana, three generic, one green. Um, you search your library for up to X basic land cards, where X is the number of different powers among creatures you control. You get those on the battlefield, and then you shuffle. Battlefield tapped. So this was, you know, a card effect that is very crucial to Commander, being land ramp, um, scaling on your Coven. So let's say I have just regular Coven. I've got three different powers. Bam! This For four mana, it gives you three lands, which is well above rate, but... You know, this is Commander. This is the format of dreams, I guess. And if you have, like, ten different powers, you've achieved a great dream. You can pay four mana for ten lands, which I thought was just really cool. Um, so we have multiple cards in, in that deck that are scaling on the number of different powers you control. I think that's kind of where we take the mechanic and break through from Limited and kind of scale it up in Commander. So just we I mentioned earlier about parameters. So when you make a deck, like for the Midnight Hunt decks, how many new cards did you have access to? Yeah, so for each deck, I believe there are 15 new cards in these ones. Um, so for the for each deck, they have 15 new cards. There is a base card that is gold. There is a secondary commander that is also gold. Each deck also has a third commander, but those third commanders are monocolor within this subset of the two colors, just for fun. And then there's just a bunch of other monocolor cards hanging out with them. Right, 15. Yeah, then there should be six cards of each other monocolor hanging out as well. And so, uh, so I mean, is that does that change from set to set, or is that roughly when you make a commander set, how many cards you get? Uh, it, it changes. It kind of depends on what's going on. Um, different commander sets will sometimes the number of new cards will fluctuate depending on our philosophy at the time and where we want to be landing with number of new cards. Um, sometimes the makeup of how many secondary, how many other legends are there in the deck will change. Like, for example, Crimson Vow will have uh, a slightly different setup for a reason I'm not going to elaborate into. Um, and also I depend on who's leading the product, what are their ideals. And a lot of the commander set leads, we, we, we do work together. We talk together every week in a stand-up, and we are very collaborative, but we do have different ideals sometimes. Um, so maybe something that I do in my sets won't be the same exact structure someone else do, does in their sets depending on the number of new cards, how they feel about stuff, their philosophy on stuff, or, you know, the philosophy of the whole group changes over time. 
magic is a very uh, design philosophy is always changing. People are we're always improving on ourselves, so things are always going to be a little bit different. And I think they're always going to iterate and improve in that way. And I do know when you make five, that also sometimes you can overlap cards. Like it, when in Midnight Hunt, when one's blue black and one's green white, it's, it's tricky to make a card that goes in both decks. But I know sometimes when you're building like five decks where there's more colors that overlap, you guys sometimes can overlap things. Yeah, we uh, this this we actually stopped doing that as much, I believe. Uh, so Glenn Jones, who is kind of our commander, commander. Um, he led C19, and then he started talking to the group and saying, hey, you know, in these other pre-cons of the past, we used to have these kind of uncommons, so to speak, these new card uncommons that would be shared between decks. Um, but he was questioning what those were doing. Were they adding appeal? Um, were they uh, being too limited by being restricted to a theoretical uncommon status? Should we just not make those uncommons and instead, you know, just new rares in the decks? Because kind of the goals of, of the new cards were to, you know, provide more commander cards that people would play in their decks. And an uncommon is, is limited in its complexity and the theoretical appeal, um, which was kind of a strange point. Uh, the uncommons were never like, I think, I think. Time, there, there was a time where maybe the shared uncommons and pre-constructed decks were meant to kind of smooth over the games or uh, like have some cards that would be shared among the decks and smooth over the gameplay. But there have been so many cards printed in the past N years or whatever that I, I don't think we need that padding in the commander decks to make the decks feel like multiplayer decks. I feel like there's enough reprints to bring stuff over. Um, so we don't actually do those uncommons that much. However, in Ikoria Commander, you know, in Strixhaven Commander, I still made a land that was common between all the decks, just because that's something I like to experiment with every now and then. Sometimes we'll do something like that, where we'll have a colorless card that is in every deck if we think it's a pretty cool land that we want to have high accessibility for the players, or if it's just uh, something that we think is fun in all decks. In Ikoria Commander, there was a mana rock in every deck that was called Bonder's Ornaments. Cost three mana, tapped for a mana of any color, but you can also pay four and tap it to have any or every player who had a Bonder's Ornaments would draw a card. So in playtesting, this was called the Commander Friendship Book Bracelet, because the idea is anyone else who had a Commander Friendship Bracelet would benefit off of it. And I thought that was a cool card to put in all five decks. And it wouldn't really work if it was only in one deck, for example. So we're all, I, I'm almost to my desk here. I, I can see it in the distance. Um, any final thoughts? So for people that maybe have never bought a, a Commander product, like a Commander deck associated with a main set or something, what what is your give give a one minute pitch here of why why Midnight Hunt might be might be the thing to try the to try out? Yeah, I think Midnight Hunt is a perfect precon for people who haven't experienced pre-constructed decks or that much commander at all the blue zombies deck is just such a tried and true archetype it's very beloved it's very like history worn people love blue black zombies it's very fun to play with these cards there's a lot of fun to be had um if you love graveyard if you love creepy things if you love hordes of tokens play this deck the coven deck also very fun you know it also plays with very you know beloved stuff 
people, uh, players love plus one, plus one counters in green, white, plus one, plus one counters are just a very fun mechanic to build up, to manipulate, to have synergy off of. There's a little bit of human tribal that's also very cool, and there's a cool, unique thing of counting powers. I think these two decks uh, are just really, really great entry points for prospective commander players, so I really would recommend them to people who are on the fence. Well, anyway, I want to thank you for joining us, Corey. Uh, it's, 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 I, I don't, commander's the one area where I, I don't have a lot of involvement. I mean, I, I have a little tiny bit, but, uh, so it is fun to bring somebody in who's just doing a very different kind of design. Not, not what I normally do. So I don't talk about it on the show a lot, obviously. Um, so thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Mark. And for everybody else, I, I'm at my desk. So we all know what that means. It means it's the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So, uh, I want to thanks once again for Corey for being here. Uh, and I'll see all you guys next time.